Looking at Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse 23. So if you're following along, that's Matthew 22, verse 23. We're going to read to um, verse 33. The same day, the Sadducees, they came to him. And they say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question. And they said, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too, the second and the third, down to the seventh, After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife shall she be? For they all had her as a wife. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you 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 know neither the scripture nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, you have not read what was said to you by God. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. What a blessing it is to to have this true story of your love for us from the beginning, from creation into eternity. Let us be led by your word, the words that I speak. Be tested by your word and moved by your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today you want to look a little bit at the Sadducees. And you know, we talk a lot about the Pharisees, and we understand the Pharisees. And and modern-day Pharisees seem to appear in times where there is a good deal of, of spiritual fervor and excitement, maybe in times of revival um, and we look around and we often hear people called a, a modern day Pharisee. But what about the Sadducees? We don't talk about Sadducees or, or understand who the Sadducees were. And we certainly don't hear about people saying, oh, you're a modern day Sadducee. But very often they, they exist and, and it's still a thing. And, and they tend to come during times of, of spiritual complacency is when we see the, the rise of, of modern-day Sadducees. So first off, the difference between Sadducees and Pharisees. Pharisees were very religious, very spiritual. They believed in, in angels. They believed in all the heavenly beings. They believed in heaven and hell. They believed that there would be a resurrection of the dead to either one of those places and, and, and they were very serious about worshiping God, about going to the temples, about doing all the traditions, doing all the sacrifices, obeying all the rules. And they were very passionate about this, sometimes even, even zealous about it. The Sadducees were the opposite. They went to the temple, sure. They read scriptures, yeah, sometimes. But they didn't go in for all the spiritual stuff. They didn't believe that, that there was going to be a resurrection one day. They didn't really talk about heaven and hell much. They didn't believe in, in, in most of the supernatural aspects of their faith. They believed in the moral laws. And, 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 and they believed that those were good to an extent. 
except for those times when, when they kind of got in the way of life. Among the Sadducees were the, the cultural Greek Jews or the Hellenistic Jews who lived like, like Romans, but they also observed some of the Jewish traditions and, and went to temple. They were Jewish by tradition, by heritage, but if you saw one in the street, you probably wouldn't know that they were Jewish. For the most part, they didn't live too differently than, than the Romans around them. So here in our text, the Sadducees, they asked Jesus this question. And as per normal, it was a question actually meant to trip, us, trip them up. They, they asked who this, this person would be married to once they were resurrected. Well, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And, and in this case, they would have gone there thinking, oh, Jesus, he's just one of those religious zealots. I mean, right, God is good and all that, but I mean, come on, do we have to talk about him all the time? Do we have to talk about all this, this, this religious stuff and heaven and hell? That's kind of their attitude. And, and, and you've probably heard that response from people today. They were trying to kind of trip him up and get the people to see how ridiculous this whole heaven and resurrection thing was. But Jesus' response was, um, as, as John would see later in his, his revelation of heaven, it wasn't about that. It was about God. See, when you're in heaven, it says you're like the angels. Well, what were the angels doing in heaven? They were singing praise to God. And here he's revealing, look, you guys, you guys think it's about yourself. You think it's about, about your, your normal life. No, it's about God. And not just heaven, but your life here. Now, what Jesus said was great. He knew the point of their question. So he said to them, look, you are wrong because you neither know Scripture nor the power of God. So the Sadducees, so to the Sadducees, God was good. They believed in God. He gave them moral laws. They, they liked that. He wanted them to do the right thing. But outside of that, they didn't really believe that God had much input into their, their lives. So Jesus says, you, you get this wrong because you don't actually know God. You see God as this far-off, distant being that, that created you, created some moral laws, and just walked away. But you know the rules that he set. You, you know the traditions, but you don't know God. And here he's revealing that these people, they can go to temple all the time. They can do all these traditions, but they don't have God in their heart. They don't understand him. They have no passion for him. And the reason, he says, you don't know God is because you don't know the Scriptures. Jesus often rebuked the Pharisees because they were, they were super into studying the Bible in, in, in very exacting ways like, like the scribes. And he says, look, you search the Scriptures, but you don't realize that, that what you're really finding is, is, is me. So they were so exact that they, they, they would use this little stick with a, a finger on the end to make sure they got every single word and yet they missed Christ in what they were reading. But Jesus had a problem with the fact that they still didn't get it after reading Scripture. But the Sadducees, they, they weren't really like that. So Jesus calls them out on this, and he says, look, you don't actually know what you're talking about. You don't know the God you're talking about. You don't know the Scriptures. And he finishes it this way, because he knew the real reason for their question. 
I mean, they were asking what would happen in the resurrection when they didn't even believe in the resurrection. They were just asking this question because they thought that they could make Jesus look foolish. But he says this, And as far as the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. So this was saying something twofold. Firstly, that there is a resurrection. There is eternal life. Because God is life, and he is the God of the living. But secondly, the Sadducees were essentially dead in their sins. They were happy with how things were, and, and the God they believed in wasn't going to change them, and, and they were happy with that. So long as they were, they were happy and did their traditions, they, they were good. But they weren't living they weren't moving forward. They weren't being changed or, or transformed. There was no heaven to look beyond. And essentially they were dead. That's the Sadducees. So, so what was left? For the Sadducees, it, it was essentially Jewish agnosticism. Yes, there's a God. He's got some good things, but, but I'm not really impacted by it. But I want to talk today about what that means today. Do we still have the Sadducee tradition today? For a Christian, to get caught up into the trap of Sadduceeism is even worse because our whole identity as Christians should be transformation. It is the, the fact that when we become a believer, we are changed. The Bible says the old has gone and the new has come. Jesus says you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven without being reborn, made new. And becoming a Christian involves admitting and knowing that we have sinned and need a Savior and, and that we need change. But Sadduceeism, Sadduceeism says, ah, look, we're all good. We don't need to change. God's not really going to impact our lives. It's all good to do that on Sunday, but let's just leave it there. And it doesn't work for a Christian. Because there is no transformation. There is no change. Becoming a Christian involves changing. Being changed. Admitting that we have sinned and we need a Savior. If we get stuck in in the trap of the Sadducees, we end up denying the spiritual and supernatural, even the resurrection of Christ, which was already happening in the time of Paul. He's, he's talking to Christian Sadducees in 1 Corinthians, verse 14, or chapter, I uh, don't know which chapter this is. Anyways, in 1 Corinthians, he says this, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ... We are all people to be pitied most. Look at that last line. If only for in this life we have hope in Christ, we are people most to be pitied. That can be us sometimes. 
you know, we look at modern-day Christian Sadducees and this notion that, that everything about our faith is, is for this life. Everything about our faith is, is, is God helping us be more moral, God helping us have a better marriage, God helping us uh, do this or that application, living our best life now. Have you ever heard that book title? Drives me nuts. Because if you're living your best life now, well, that means you're going to hell. Because this isn't your best life. Your, your best life is what's to come in eternity. That is Christian Sadduceum. It denies the Savior, not by saying He doesn't exist, or that we aren't saved, but by just simply not talking about it. By just simply not worrying about it. It's just all... You know, just just worry about what you're doing now. So a few years back, um, a couple of folks from Oxford, they did a survey of several thousand Christian youth about what they believed. And and what they found, they surveyed surveyed, um, youth in America, the majority belief was something that was so far from biblical Christianity that they had to give it a new name. So they're they're surveying self-identified Christian youth. And what they had found was actually what they believed was so far from biblical Christianity that they had to give it a different name. What they found after interviewing 3,000 American Christian teenagers was this new religion that encompassed five points. This is what they believed out out of this survey, out of this study. They believed a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. That's, that's great. Secondly, that God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. Good people go to heaven when they die. What's missing here? This is, this is the, the, the five points that they drew out of this new religion that, that, that Christian youth seem to be adhering to. What's missing there? Jesus. There's no Christ in this. There's no cross. There's no sin, repentance, being born again, holiness, grace. It's gone. What is there is be nice, be moral, and, and, and God will let you into heaven. And you might be saying, well, you know, that's okay. As long as they believe in God and, and they believe that they should be nice, what's wrong with that? Here's the problem. In this religion, there is no redemption, no change, no transformation. So that last bit, good people go to heaven. What happens for those youth when they are not good? What happens as does often happen when addiction rears its ugly head? What happens when lust and sexual sin come into their lives? If there's no redemption, and the only answer is only good people go to heaven, what happens to them when they are not good? God isn't really involved in my life. He's not going to change me. And I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm not good. So what do they do? They give up, give in. They revert to the third point. 
which is that the central goal in life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. So they just say, well, you know, sin feels good. That's what's right. And they walk away. And they did some further research to find out why this has happened. And they found that one of the main reasons is that's what they were taught. Just be nice, be good, you'll get into heaven. Go to church, go to youth group, and you're good. But they didn't learn how Jesus actually transforms and affects our lives. They didn't learn what to, ha- what to do when, when you're not good. When you don't want to go to church. When you don't want to go to youth group. When you're, you're, you're struggling with the sins that are caused by what's on the computer screen. And suddenly you're not good. And, and, and according to this message, you're not going to heaven. They learned good churchy morality, but not the gospel. So when they had to deal with sin, they didn't know how to deal with it. And they didn't know that Jesus dealt with it. But they learned it from somewhere. And the studies found that it wasn't just youth that believed this. Another study from Arizona Christian University found that the majority of adult Christians believed, and this is just over half of those surveyed, these are people who claim to be Christians, they were getting into heaven because of their good works. Again, not because of their faith in Jesus, but because of their good works works. Not because of what Jesus did on the cross, but because they were good people. So again, no redemption, no salvation, no grace. It's not Christianity. It's, it's selfianity. They don't operate by their faith and the Holy Spirit. They operate based on their own works, their feelings. It's works-driven, not Christ-driven. And, and I have to think this way. I have to do this stuff as opposed to Christianity, which, which says I can't. Which says I, I haven't. <laughs> I keep falling short. Which is what Scripture says. We all fall short of the glory of God. And I need a Savior. As opposed to Christianity, which says we have this Savior who who rescued us from the pit of death and sin, who supernaturally works within us. And our response as, as true Christians is to say, I want to worship Him because of what He's done for me. I want to I believe in Him. I want to follow Him. You see the difference there. This new religion, they, 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 they coined it um, moralistic Deism, therapeutic moralistic deism. It's a big word. But its members are consumers rather than participants. Jesus said in John 14, he says, these things you see, all the things that you've seen me do, you believers will do greater things because I go to my Father. But among this religion, there is no desire to do anything. To live a life of holiness, to, to, to be transformed. The, 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 the points in this say, well, you know, God isn't going to actually impact my life that much. It's only to observe, to be a spectator and not a participant. But true Christianity is that He has put you in the body with a gift for the upbuilding of the body to do, to participate. There are no pews in the body of Christ. 
The true body of Christ is not set up as seats in front of a stage. It is a group of people working together, sharing their gifts for the glory of God. Each participating, not just observing. That is living a life of holiness. It's interesting, during this COVID, across the the board, all over the world, this has become apparent. Barna found that since COVID started, one in three, that's 30% of, 33% of of Christians who attended church dropped out of, of, they didn't just change churches or whatever, they dropped out of participating altogether. But the worst part is that those one in three had no desire to return. No desire to return back to the body of Christ, and, and they didn't. So what was missing there? 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven. Also in, in several places throughout chapter 12, Paul says that we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He says that we are that close that we weep when one of us weeps. We rejoice when one of us rejoices. And what holds us together that way? What is missing there when we're not held together? Ephesians 4. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ himself, who is the head. For from him, the whole body, fitted and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself in love through the work of each individual part. So what holds us? What holds us into the body of Christ? What holds us together? And what's missing when we don't miss that, it's Christ. You see, it's not the style of the church. It, 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 it's not the charisma of the leaders. It's not a brand. It, it, it's the body of Christ held together because of Christ. But what we see above this is a Christless Christianity where Christ is, is just a good example. But he doesn't actually change us. He doesn't actually move us. He just did something nice a long time ago, and, and it's good to remember that and, and be nice too. But that's not the Christ of the Bible, who while we were still sinners, while we were undeserving, took our punishment on the cross so that we can have life, but he didn't just die on the cross, he rose again. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to supernaturally transform us to live a life of holiness. And He keeps doing that. He continues to transform us. He continues to change us. He continues to act in our life. And we passionately serve Him and worship Him because of what He's done for us and what He continues to do for us. I want to encourage you. When you're speaking to, to your children, to your your grandchildren, one of the easiest things to do, because we want our kids to behave, right? <laughs> to talk about morality. And yeah, we should talk about morality. Definitely. But talk about Christ. So, so what happens when, when they get to a point where, where they're not moral? They, they've slipped up. So that they know the gospel. They know that there is good news. More than just going to church. More than just going to youth group but a Christ who saves them, a Christ who transforms them. Teach this message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is indeed good news, this gospel. 
that while we were still sinners, you sent your son to die on the cross for us. Humble us. Convict us. Each and every day that, that, that we understand what that means. And how good that is. How amazing that is. And that we have eternal life. Humble us and convict us that we would want to change, that we would want to repent and live a life of holiness guided by You, not by the world or or what feels comfortable or what, but guided by You through Your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank You that You've given us the chance to have a new life. Help us to listen to where You're leading and to follow. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.